BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out for all of our podcasts, not just five on the floor, but also three yards per carry on the Dolphins, five rings, canes, balls, cast, light skin opinions, Shula Bowl, and more. Also, all of our columns, our articles, our YouTube channel, and our merchandise the entire month of May, 10% off everything on the site if you spend $30 or more. So spend $30, basically two t-shirts, and you will get 10% off your entire order. Also, if you get more than one, you save on the handling. So check that out. Our Tua shirts, our BAM shirts, and yes, we know there are COVID delays. We've told you about them, but trust me, those delays are not as long as you're getting from the NBA and NFL shops right now. So check out those t-shirts on fivereasonsports.com. Also, check out our new sponsors. We've got a ton of sponsors. They're all South Florida. They're South Florida sports fans. They've helped us through the COVID crisis Help them out. Check them out. These are all great companies. And like I said, South Florida sports fans, the newest one is You Break It, Wheel Fix It. That's W-H-E-L-L for the You Break It, Wheel Fix It, Wheel Repair and Remanufacturing Company. They do a lot of different stuff. And one of the things they do is powder coating for custom color changes on wheels. So go to YouBreakItWheelFixIt.com. If you're tired of your wheels, you want to give your car a new and refreshed look by powder coating them a new color. You can do heat, you can do hurricanes, you can do dolphins, you do whatever you want. If your wheels are faded and scratched, renew them with their in-house wheel refinishing. If you got to repair damaged wheels that are curved, bent, or cracked, this is the place to go to. 15 years of experience based in North Miami, right off 146th Street. And if you give them the code, five reasons wheels, that's five reasons wheels, you get 10% off on a four wheel repair or refinishing with that code. Check out the gallery of the work that's at their Instagram account. You break it, wheel, fix it. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, aka Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. Not only do we have a full crew, we've added to it today. We've got four on the floor today. Myself, Alex Toledo, Alphonse Sidney, also joined by Greg Sylvander. You know him as Lefty Leif. Um, last time I think you were with me, we were putting that 30-man team together, uh, and then Alf botched his team. But that's okay. Uh, good to have you back, Leif. And, Did we get Leif's uh, opinions on the matter? Do, uh, oh, we never got your opinion. We got, we did get the two opinions that mattered, which were George Sedano's and Eric Reed, and they both picked my team. So, do, do you have something different to say? I like, I like Dalf's team a lot more than people, um, particularly on the podcast and social media, did. Uh, but ultimately, I would say that I probably would go with one of you or Alex. But ultimately, Ooh. I think that that uh, Alf got beat up a little bit 
too much. Good way to cover all your bases. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the diplomatic response. I mean, there were three teams. Only two of them were going to make the finals. You eliminated the proper team. That's, that's, that's all that matters. So, uh, Alf, better luck next time. Perhaps in 30 years we'll do this again. There'll be new players. And uh, we'll go through a list of other 30 guys. So, Jeez, If I'm doing this in 30 years, shoot me in the face. Well, if there's still <laughs> basketball in 30 years, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be basketball next year. All right, let's, let's get to this. If I'm 70 years old doing podcasts, like, like oh, my hey, God. This is the, this is the way. This is, with a, this is the wave of the future, man. This is the wave of the future. So I hope I'm retired and gardening or on a beach drinking something with an umbrella in it. You know how I realized how old I was? Yesterday was the 35th anniversary of my bar mitzvah. Okay, that will make you feel old. Because I was supposed to become a man then, it still hasn't. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. I don't know why you kept celebrating that and, like, like <laughs> reminding people. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just throw it out there that I used to have hair. That's all. Like, that's, that's the big thing. Like, I've gone from <laughs> used to having hair to now my hair is it's so bad proof. that I desperately needed a haircut. Yeah, it's just there's the proof that I had hair. All right, let's get to today's topic. Uh, the Last Dance is over. Ten episodes, five Sundays, gave us something to do. I'll, I'll say, worst case scenario, whether people liked it or they didn't, they gave us something to do for two hours on Sunday nights, um, other than drink. And we do that on Friday nights on Five Reasons to Drink. So we're going to give our last thoughts on Last Dance. So everybody's going to bring a topic here tonight, maybe something that other people are not thinking about. Um, I'll start with you, Alf. You've been the most candid, I would say, to the negative side about this documentary what is your sort of defining thought or, or what do you bring to the table today you probably should have went to debbie downer on this whole thing um horace grant kind of summed it up uh pretty succinctly today that it's just a it's a so-called documentary like it's propaganda's bullshit like and i listen i live and i lived through it i watched it i was alive for the you know i watched the jordan years I watched every single one of those finals and Jordan is, was great. Like he's to me, top two basketball players in the history of the game. Uh, if you, if you argue with me that he's the greatest basketball player that ever lived, I'm not going to argue with you like vehemently about uh, uh, to the contrary. I personally think LeBron James is the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. And I'm not a big LeBron fan. So it's not like I'm a huge fan of either of these guys. Like, uh, my favorite player of all time is Dwayne Wade, followed by Magic Johnson and Shaquille O'Neal. So neither of these guys is even in my top three. But what I will say is that documentary was so slanted, so ridiculous, so deifying of just a regular human being. It's it like it just it perpetuated this Jordan myth that guys who did watch it like with me for some somehow remember it differently. Like they 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 romanticized. This, this two kind of terrible eras of basketball, um, and they romanticized what Jordan did. And then they, you have these guys who didn't even watch it, and all this, all they, they're, they're 25 years old, and all they've seen is YouTube highlights, and they will sit there and argue with you how much better Jordan was than LeBron and how LeBron – and, you know, and it always has to be to, – to, to deify Jordan, you have to tear down LeBron. Uh, Jordan is this alpha – this guy today on Twitter was arguing with me that Jordan is this alpha male, and that's why he respects him. I'm like, dude, you, don't, you know you don't know Michael Jordan, right? 
Like you, you, you've never met him. Like you don't know his actual personality. Like you're, you're deifying a human being. You're romanticizing this bullshit. So to me, that's what the whole documentary did for me. Like it just solidified like what we do. We like we romanticize the past so freaking much, and it's just like it's just unfair to. A lot of it's unfair to LeBron, but in 20 years, we're going to do the same thing with LeBron. Like, they do it now. They're already doing the revisionist history of the Miami Heat and the Cleveland Cavaliers and all this stuff. Like, we do this thing. We tear down other people to prop up other athletes and prop up other people. And that's what it just – that's what the whole thing signified to me. It was like – it was just complete propaganda. It was nonsense. And then ESPN has these stupid polls. Who's more amazing? Like, literally, you're <laughs> – you're supposed to be a journalistic oh network, God. and one of your poll questions to your to your uh, to your uh, journalist is who's more amazing. Like it's just it's it's such nonsense. But did you guys hey, see that video on ESPN, the one that you're referring to? Oh my God, that was the worst, the absolute worst. What, what was it, Jeremy Schaap? I, I wasn't sure who it was, but I saw that, and, and it's what you're referring to. They said, "Oh, who's more amazing?" And they kind of the whole thing was slanted towards Jordan. Like Jordan got voted as a better passer, well, better, better passer, defender, better the, the, teammate, the, better well, off the, be- the court impact. The better passer thing is amazing. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Lou Dobbs on Fox Business Channel, who was asked about like Trump's response. Was it to COVID or something like that? And Lou Dobbs was like, is it the best ever or only one of the greatest ever? Like this was the poll. Um, the, the, the thing that surprises me a little bit about the Jordan slam here with ESPN, although I guess it shouldn't surprise me because their ultimate goal is always make money and promote their own shit, uh, is that they become the LeBron News Network as it is. And I, I hate, and so I, I really thought that they would try to slant it more his direction. And I was there for a lot of that transformation. Okay. And it has stunned me how far the other direction and honestly, how good a job that people like Adam Mendelson and Maverick Carter and Rich Paul have done getting ESPN over to their side. Because I remember, and you guys probably remember during the heat years, ESPN was not on their side. Uh, was not on, uh, and, and, uh, and a lot of people at ESPN couldn't even get access to LeBron, and they trashed him every time they could. And now, and I, look, I'm friends with a lot of these people, but let's put the eyes. Rachel Nichols has bought in 100% on LeBron. They have Windhorst, McMenamin. Again, these are friends of mine, but it has gone totally over the top in that direction. Um, and, you know, Haynes obviously has a relationship there too. And so I'm surprised with all the LeBron deification, the clutch deification that goes on on that channel. I mean, Kendrick Perkins, okay, people were saying on Twitter that clutch got to him because, like, Kendrick Perkins, like, you read his tweets from a year ago, Jordan is the GOAT. And now all of a sudden, LeBron is the GOAT. And it's like all he did was go work for ESPN. Uh, and so I'm a little bit surprised, even though they had the Jordan doc that they've gone so over the edge that direction. It's almost like they knew that the fans were going to take it in that direction anyway. So they, they didn't really need to do that because the fans inevitably went there. And uh, that's been the entire conversation throughout the whole documentary. And, you know, like I didn't necessarily walk away from it um, enlightened with a lot of stuff I didn't know already. Uh, like Alf, a lot of the stuff I thought was glorified, but there is some truth to a lot of the Jordan stuff on the court. And that's where I had a lot of fun is like watching that stuff and the highlights and, and kind of the locker room stuff. I thought all of that was a lot of fun. And the biggest takeaway though, was when you listen to MJ talk, he just looks like a dude who uh, he has amends or something, something is eating him up. And, and I hate to say that about somebody that I don't even know, but it just was so apparent. 
through the TV screen when he would talk that he just was uh, kind of a tortured individual. And it's just interesting to see somebody who was so immortal on the court be a mortal man that way. Um, and it was just him talking. So they, they weren't packaging that, like maybe with some editing. But, you know, you could look at a dude and, and, and kind of get an idea of where he's at. And uh, so that just that, that was eye opening to me. Alif, you know, what's funny. It's like when we watched him, he was mortal on the court. <laughs> like we watched him like get taken to the brink by the Knicks and like the Pacers and like some of those teams weren't even that damn good. You know what I mean? And no, I'm not mortal. trying to take that. He was mortal. He, he yeah. was mortal in, in bits and pieces. But I think in body of work, from that perspective, it was pretty clear that MJ was the best player on planet Earth and nobody could really um, penetrate that for, you know, for our when we were growing up. <laughs> but see, I remember the Bulls. Like, I remember thinking – I, I always remember that Jordan was great, Right. And I still think Jordan is great. Like, to me, he's number two all time. I think there's no slight to that man by telling him, saying he's the second greatest basketball player that's ever lived in the history of the universe. But I also remember those teams being great. Like, I was such a Horace Grant fan. Like, I just, I, I love to watch Horace Grant play. I remember my brother was a big Bulls fan, and his favorite player was Scottie Pippen because Pippen was amazing. And I remember the John Paxson shots and the Steve Kerr shots. Like, I remember the him having great teams. Like, I don't remember this being this, this whole one-man army that, like, I kind of feel like even when the documentary tried to highlight other players, they highlighted other players in terms of Jordan. And it, it, I don't know, it just the whole thing just bothered me. Like, it just bothered me that yeah, no, they kind of tore down the, other those, people's legacies to build him up. That, that's one of the things. Like, those teams, Jordan couldn't get it done for years. Like, they were talking about Jordan ball hog. He doesn't trust his teammates. All he's in it for is the stats. Like, all that was super real. And uh, it, it just, when you got the, this right mix of Grant Pippen, Paxson, Cartwright, um, they finally got over the hump and then they rebuilt it around them a second time. So like there was lumps in the road, but you know, overall six to six and, and, all, and all that kind of stuff is, is still noteworthy. <laughs> I mean, I mean is, can we talk about the quotes that came out today from Horace Grant? Yeah, because let's do it. Let's do it's it. pretty bad. He, he went off. So I'll, I'll read some of it. it. It's actually, it's like eight paragraphs of stuff from Horace Grant. I'm not going to read all of that, but. I'll, I'll summarize it. He started off saying, lie, lie, lie. If MJ had a grudge with me, let's settle this like men. So that's how he starts it off. And for the rest of the time throughout, he's just kind of saying, oh, you know, they were editing out all the responses to all the stuff Jordan's saying. They were saying that, you know, they kind of editorialized by basically only uh, explaining all the things that Jordan said and not really depicting the fact that guys would actually go back at him, guys like Horace Grant or Bill Cartwright. And he, he kind of objected to the fact that the documentary made everybody kind of look like a beta compared to him. He then uh, really harshly criticized his leadership style towards guys like Scott Burrell and Steve Kerr. And uh, like he went all over the place criticizing his documentary, called it a so-called documentary because they didn't really go objective because two of his uh, Jordan's like closest associates were working on it. And, you know, he just pretty much poked holes in the whole thing. And, and, and I think, the Wasn't one thing where we it? can all agree. Yeah, he, yeah, he True. was. But that doesn't mean every everything he said got uh, everything he said came across. Editing is a powerful tool, man. Hell yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I think the one thing he said was that it was very entertaining, and that's the one thing that I think we could pretty much all would say about it. Like it was extremely entertaining. But I wanted to hear what you guys had to say about the whole objectivity thing. Like, 
how much were they really covering up here, even though they went through the whole gambling stuff? Like, what's was it objective in but, your eyes? Well, they went through. No, everything. it wasn't objective at all. See, I, I don't agree with that though. Like, okay, okay. Obviously, if you're going to be in any kind of situation on a team, there are going to be things that you know about that you think should have gotten out that didn't. And yeah, the ultimate sort of characterization of the characterization of this documentary is Michael's a badass who overcomes everything and who drove people around him to be better. And he had to be an asshole sometimes to do it. Like to me, that's the takeaway, right? Um, By the way, Scotty also didn't like the way he was portrayed here. No. Well, that one is interesting to me. Okay. Because Scotty and Michael have a really close relationship. But again, if you look at the documentary maker, apparently, I mean, he's not a Jordan disciple. I mean, he was not on Jordan's payroll. Right. I do think that Michael came off in a negative light at times. He allowed a certain amount of that out. Um, but to say, and so to say that it, it wasn't objective in any way, I think is, is incorrect. Uh, with that being said, like Leif said, when we started, you can't argue with the results, dude. Like the fact is they won the six finals. They won them largely on the strength of his ability and personality. I, I don't, I don't know what it is that they didn't cover. Right. Like Horace's issue, one of his issues I don't know if it, was that the Scotty thing was brought up with one, you know, the one point eight seconds. Right. But how do you not bring that up if you're telling a narrative about Scotty? This wasn't just about Michael. This whole thing was supposed to be about the parts that were around him. You know what I think probably pisses Horace off is the documentary focused very little on him in a positive light. Like, whereas with Pippin, there was a positive no, and there were the negative. With Kerr, there was positive and there were some of his struggles. With Rodman, obviously, it was a full portrait. But, like, with, uh, with, with, uh, with Horace, like, all they said was they missed him that season. That's it. Was there, I mean, you're a big Horace guy, Alf. Did they oh, talk don't forget about the Horace Sam Smith. Well, that's the most negative well, no, thing, But thing. I'm saying, was it's there anything even, positive? It's not- this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, Wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Miami Heat. Not even about the, the, the fact that they brought up the Pippen thing. It's like, how many times did they bring on some, uh, some on-court Jordan pettiness, right? Like, you, you're going to tell me in all those years that Jordan was never just petty and, and just a, a, a child on the court? And just complaining and whining, like he never did any of that. In all the years he played on the Bulls, like he never did any of that. But it was any of that highlighted? But like Pippen's nah. one shining moment of being a petty, a petulant child was like portrayed like it was. It was, it was a big. It was a big, huge thing. But Jordan is ever the competitor, ever the ever the. Uh, all I want to do is win. He ne- he never pouted. 
You know, that that's what the problem is. It's like it, it becomes like this whole thing that Jordan is just this ultimate competitor. Like I said, it's romanticized and deified. Like he is this he is this god among men. What is it's it's probably like the real truth. I bet you Horace Grant can tell you some truth of when Jordan was being a bitch out on the court. But they, that was not in the documentary. Yeah, you think that the last straw for Horace Grant was when the reports came out that Michael wasn't letting him eat and was making him skip meals when he made mistakes? That would make me really See, upset if somebody said that they <laughs> yeah. were doing that to me. <laughs> and they called him Lave. a snitch during, and, and during all, the whole thing. Yeah, and Leif, on some man shit, right? Like, it was funny. I remember, when, like, Udonis came out and said, if Jordan ever treated him like that, he'd probably, he, he, I like, I, I'm 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 uh, probably uh, misquoting here. He slapped the life out of Jordan, and honestly, I know for a fact Udonis Haslam would have slapped the life out of Jordan if he ever called him a B or an H or all that stuff. But but like, and then you had you had people replying to the Udonis quote that are 15 years old. Oh, he wouldn't do nothing against Jordan. Shut up. Like you don't even know. Like, like first of all, we know Udonis Haslam as a human being, as a person. Ethan, you've covered him for years. Right. Like we know the fact that, like, if he, if if Jordan ever spoke sideways out of his mouth to Udonis Haslam, he would have smacked fire out of him. But he would have. But he also would have appreciated like, him now, as a teammate, though. He would have appreciated him as a teammate. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, but it's, now, but we all girls who are acting like. Jordan would would have beat up uh, Mike Tyson in his prime. Like that's the, that's the whole problem with this documentary. We like we turned him into this god. Like it's ridiculous. Like the whole thing is kind of just silly to me. I think when you look at you know how Udonis would have reacted to him, I, I take this back a little bit. I know we're almost supposed to bring our own topic, so I, I want to get to Alex here in a Well, Alex just sort of did. We'll get to more of the horror stuff, and I want to get to some of Leif's thoughts. But as I look at it, and I, I say, okay, who is sort of the modern day equivalent? of Michael Jordan's attitude towards his teammates. And he plays here. <laughs> He's not as good as Jordan, but Jimmy demands, Jimmy Butler demands effort, I mean, from his teammates, okay? And if he does it in a different way than Michael did, but more probably similar than anybody else in the same way that Kobe did. I think there's some similarities there. And Jimmy got criticized for it, right? I mean, Jimmy got criticized for it in Minnesota. He got criticized uh, for it in Chicago. I think in Philadelphia, maybe there's a little more understanding of it. Um, and you mentioned Udonis Hasm. Udonis Hasm loves Jimmy. He loves the way that he calls guys out. So I, I understand what you're saying to a certain degree about, uh, about the fact, I mean, like Haslam's quote to me as we're at Madison Square Garden walking out to the court, right? Was, like, was basically, you know, when you're with cats, right? I can't remember the exact quote. He actually gave it to me and went on Bleach Report. And I can't remember it. But basically when you're with a bunch of dogs, okay, it's fine, right? And Jimmy's with a bunch of dogs now. I think Haslam would have responded well to him, but I do think the deification of Jordan is the assumption that it made everybody better. And the reality is it probably didn't. It probably didn't because that style doesn't work with everybody. Everybody's different. Some people respond positively to you know negative reinforcement and it pushes them to be better and some respond in a really negative way and they go in a shell and he probably had teammates who could have been better if he wasn't pushing them all the time i mean can we agree on that absolutely all right i so mean let's, you know, I agree, I, I, no 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 i agree with that i like my like the whole thing with jimmy the the fact that his style is just bastardized and like he's been called a shitty teammate over and over again it kind of just proves the point. Like, I'm not saying that Jordan was a shitty teammate. All I'm saying is, can we not act like he was just the end-all, be-all? 
You know what I mean? That's the whole thing. Like, Jimmy's style didn't work in three, what, three places before he got here? Now it's starting to work. <laughs> and and honestly, and and at the same time, the same way that uh, Horace Grant is saying, Jordan couldn't – I wasn't dealing with Jordan talking to me like that. Jimmy would have – Jimmy would respect, like, a young Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam would have said straight up to Jimmy, don't talk to me like that. And now if you want to make a documentary 20 years later and say that Jimmy was just talking shit to Udonis Haslam all day long and Udonis Haslam just, sit, 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 just sat there and took it, like, you're, you're telling me you're making a slanted documentary. And I think that was Horace Grant's problem. Like, you made it sound like he was just talking shit to Horace Grant all day long and Horace Grant just sat there like a you-know-what and took it. And that, I think that's the issue. It's, it's not presenting both sides of it. I'm fine with Jordan's leadership style. Like, mm. I, I've run restaurants and I've been, a management, I've been a management for two decades. Like, I've had to do every kind of management style you could possibly imagine. I've screamed at people. I've thrown things at people. I've done everything, right? So I understand every style of management. But at the same time, there's two sides of every story. And I just don't feel like this was really presented well. All right, now before we get to some of the last dance stuff as it might have applied to the Miami Heat, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E calllegal.com. There's someone there 24 hours a day to handle your request, whether it has to do with immigration, traffic tickets, slip and falls, personal injury, anything at all. They handle it at the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. They are based in North Miami, big Miami sports fans as well. So go check them out. If you've got any kind of legal issue, obviously the court system starting to come back now. We closed for a little bit, but a lot of that stuff that got put off, you're going to have to deal with it soon. So go to the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm at onecalllegal.com. Again, that's onecalllegal.com. All right, let's get to one more thing here with The Last Dance, and that's the Miami Heat. And why would I bring up the Miami Heat? Because they weren't really featured much in the documentary other than, you know, Jordan <laughs> sweeping them out <laughs> early on. And then I don't even think there wasn't – Leif, am I wrong about this? Did they focus at all on that other series, um, that, uh, the, the later series during the Zoe years? I don't, I don't remember. No, the the conference finals, no. They, I, I thought that they would because Rodman and, like, what he did to Alonzo was, um, like, a big deal. He kind of really threw him off that whole series. They didn't even touch on that. And the other thing they didn't touch on, unless I'm mistaken, was they didn't touch on Jordan's number being retired in Miami. Um, did that, no. I, I, unless I'm forgetting it. And I thought that that would be, like, an easy, low-hanging fruit that they would touch on. Yeah, I thought that, and I also thought there'd be more Riley stuff with the Knicks. Um, not as much as I expected. Pat made two appearances, right, in the entire ten episodes. Yeah, really early, and then that then was they kind of went away from him. Um, you know, and the other thing that I thought was interesting is if you think about the way Riley approaches uh, the game in a lot of ways, at least when he was a coach, um, there were some similarities between the way Jordan was as well. Um, and I just, it's, it's really fascinating to think about what Riley and MJ would have been like had they uh, had the opportunity to hook up in the NBA. Well, well it was fascinating. We actually, uh, we, Alf and I talked about that uh, with, with, uh, with our friend, Will Weintraub, who, who hosts the uh, Lessons Via Leader podcast. And, and I, I think they would have been good together. But, you know, again, Phil's style seemed to, to work with him after he accepted him. But let's get to what I wanted to get to related to the Heat. If Michael Jordan does not exist... If Michael Jordan does not exist, 
do those Heat teams in the late '90s win championships, Alf? Um, so we're assuming morning leaves uh, the Hornets. We're assuming things play out the way they play out. I know, obviously, it's butterfly effect, and you know, Zoe's okay. team won a series. But I'm just saying, if the East no, had they been don't. clear, I say they don't. They're not. They would have got to the finals, but they wouldn't have beat. Um, they wouldn't have beat the Jazz or the Sonics. Like. They, I mean, they might have beat the Sonics, but they wouldn't have beat the Jazz. The Jazz would have would have handed them their ass. Would have I, listen, I love those Utah. teams. 96-97, that's the year. They would have gotten all the way and gotten a ring if there was no MJ in the way. So you think they would have – that was the that's first, the of, the two, I, first I, of the I'm, two Utah teams. Right? That Utah team was not as good as the second Utah team. The second Utah team was better. I'm yeah. sorry. I still that think that Utah year. would – that Utah team would have handed them their ass. I think so, but I was, you know, like it'd be, it's an interesting conversation, but I also, you know, I mean, the, 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 the Heat had enough problems with the Knicks and, and the Knicks weren't even that good. That, you know, Jay well, Brown would have been the Carl Malone stopper, baby. He would have. Well, let's look at the matchup. Okay. I mean, Timmy would have had to guard Stockton. Um, but John wasn't blowing by anybody. I mean, he was just running that. And that was Timmy's best year. He was first team all NBA. I mean, like he would have, he would have definitely been a tough draw. Tough cover for, for Stockton. Right. And then you look at the. Timmy have a first year all NBA and he's not in the hall of fame. I'm sorry. That that's off topic. No, no, it is. No, it's not off topic because it's ridiculous. I I'm with you. Okay. I think Tim Hardaway has been historically disparaged, um, in a lot of ways because of one comment he made on the Dan Levitard show, which. He actually then went back and not only did he take it back, but he did the work in the community to prove that he changed his opinion and still hasn't been able to clear it. Um, whereas other guys have been able to get in. I, I find it ridiculous also, but is what it is. I, he would have made Stockton work. I mean, if you look at the rest of that team, who was the two on that team? Vashon? Yep. And uh, so he would have guarded, he would have, he would have guarded Hornacek. Matt, they didn't have a matchup for MASH, right? Brian Russell probably would have guarded MASH. Brian right? Russell. That was a really good matchup for MASH, yep. actually. Who, right? And and Zoe, I mean, at least with Zoe's and size, he, he refused an interview on the on the last dance. Oh, M- Malone did or Zoe did? Malone and Byron Russell both refused to inter- to be interviewed. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Well, Malone's refused a lot of interviews lately. Um, I know it's before Alex's time, but he's still with us. Uh, that that was that was pretty early on. I mean, as we look at. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as we look at it though, I mean, just looking at them on paper and kind of what they look like, I don't necessarily agree with Alf's theory that they couldn't get past the Knicks and the Knicks weren't that good. The, the Knicks were a uniquely difficult matchup for that heat team. Can we agree on that? Like, I don't think it was, I, I don't think it's necessarily it was mental. It was mental, right? It was mental and emotional with them. Yeah. But it- if you got to, if if you're having a mental issue in the first rounds of the playoffs, like you you're you're gonna tell me this that team mentally stacked up in the finals and all that under all that pressure, like I'm not trying to disparage those teams because I really like those teams. I enjoyed them, but at the same time, like I I I just don't know. I'm not a I'm not that confident that they could have beat the Jazz. Any of the any of the other teams during that era? I mean, you look at I mean the Heat never really got. Uh, a shot at that Pacer team, right? Like they, they that just they just didn't cross paths uh, with Reggie's team at that time. They did later when Reggie was older, um, and obviously they did later with other Pacers teams. I mean, it basically just was they kept running into the Knicks. I, you know, what was crazy about it too was, I mean, you know, they kept getting the high seeds and then kept drawing the Knicks. And where, no matter where it is that the Knicks fell, they ended up. <laughs> hit that spot like even the the one eight year like somebody was saying in 99 and we can close here 
Somebody was saying, you know, there are people saying, well, the heat, you know, the way the Bulls documentary ended was we wanted to come back and get our seventh, right? And I do believe that if Jordan had gotten in a room uh, with Pippen and with the rest of that group, that they would have all rolled it back for one more year. I think if Phil was coming back, they would have done it. But this was an interesting point, which was made by Vishnu, who's in our network. The lockout season was that year, right? 98, 99. And Vish's point was that the Bulls would have been totally broken down that season because that was, you know, one of those years you were playing a lot of games in a tight, compressed space. I think it actually would have worked in their favor. I think Phil would have rested those guys for a lot of that year. They would have ended up with the eighth seed instead of the Knicks, would have been playing the Heat in the first round, would have knocked the Heat out in the first round of the playoffs. That's how I think it would have. I think it would have looked like the 2014 Heat. Just got, I mean, Wheezing. the the just exhausted, mental exhaustion, and just even even with a shortened season. Because remember, the 2014 Heat wasn't physical exhaustion; it was mental exhaustion. They were just mentally exhausted, and they were just like they were just tired. Like that's the thing that's hard about these dynasties. It's like these three to four year spans. It's all you can really take because after, like after that, it's just it's just a lot. It's just too much. And Jordan breaking up by going to play going to play baseball is kind of what saved that dynasty. It's it's hard to do. Like it's hard to do what the Lakers and the Celtics did in the eighties and just mm-hmm. stick together for a decade. Like that 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 shit is hard. Um, I I think that would have looked a lot like the Heat that went against the Spurs in that finals to just wheeze into the finals. And uh, we you know even as Heat fans, we didn't feel good about them at all. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, you know, we always talk about it as if, you know, it would have been the same mental challenge to go through the entire time uh, without that break. And it would have been a much bigger mental challenge. You're right. And Michael said it even at the end of those first three, he was worn out then, right? So maybe if he comes back for those fourth and fifth seasons, they don't win those seasons or they don't win those seasons. And then he decides to shut it down at that point. So we don't really know what would have happened. I, I just think that even if they'd gotten to, if they'd gotten to 99, I think Phil, Phil was already starting to do, I know Michael was playing heavy minutes in the playoffs, but Phil was already starting to do, you know, some of that load management stuff. I think he might've load managed them a little bit. One of Riley's weaknesses in my view during this era, and we can close here is that he didn't load manage his guys at all. And so I, I to me, one of the big problems Alf, that they had when they went against the Knicks. And I think this really came up in that 99 season is that he was pushing guys so hard during the regular season and he maxed out those teams. Like those teams were as they, they won as many games as you could possibly win with those groups in the regular season. And there was no level for them to get to mentally, emotionally, physically. Whereas those Knicks teams, a lot of them, that last team, that team that coasted to six fewer wins than the heat during the lockout season, like that team didn't play hard at all during the regular season. They were getting killed during the whole regular season. And then all of a sudden they played better in the playoffs. They played the heat and all that. And what's funny is the one Riley team that underachieved was the 0506 team. And then they raised it yeah. a level in the postseason. That's the only team that really operated. I was just going to say that he learned from his mistakes because he definitely had some, um, load management going on with that 0506 group <laughs> yeah yeah they, they got they got to a level they didn't get to so all right check out five reasonsports.com check out greg sylvander at greg sylvander on twitter obviously alf 954 and tropical blanket talk to you soon thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five Reasons sports network